0: Welcome to the Data for Betterment podcast, Reimagine Hybrid Work, with your host, Maribel Lopez. Maribel is the founder of the Data for Betterment Foundation and Lopez Research. The Data for Betterment Foundation is a nonprofit organization that helps individuals understand and prepare for how their career will change as companies embrace new technologies. Lopez Research, a market research and strategy consulting firm, Helps companies understand how technologies such as connected devices, collaboration, cloud computing, and AI change the customer and employee experience. The firm's clients range from startups to global corporations, including 10 of the Fortune 30. She's also the author of the highly regarded business book on how those technologies are transforming the company, employee, and customer experience, Right Time Experiences, published by Wiley. She's also a frequent public speaker at corporate events and contributor at Forbes.com. Maribel is currently researching and writing her next book on how to build successful strategies for workplace transformation. We hope you enjoy the show.
1: Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I've been having a great time talking about the future of hybrid work. And I know someone else who's been having a great time talking about the future of hybrid work. I'm here today with G2 Patel, who is the SVP and GM of security and collaboration at Cisco. It is a great pleasure to have you here. Okay, so I'm so excited. So the first thing I want to get into is talking about, we've seen companies make great strides with moving to collaboration in this whole pandemic and we're now coming out of the other side of the pandemic, which everybody is thrilled about. So you have been talking with a lot of organizations and building a lot of products. How do you see the collaboration experience changing you know, as companies transition to what we're now talking about as hybrid work?
2: Terrible, thank you for having me on the show. And I think it's great that you have a podcast dedicated to hybrid work. So super excited about that. So the way that we see this is the future of work definitively is going to be hybrid. And at least the way that we think about it is sometimes people are going to work in the office. Sometimes they're going to work at home. Sometimes they're going to work somewhere in the middle. And the notion of remote will not be a real thing because there won't be any such thing as remote because in some ways everyone is remote. In some ways no one's remote. And what I mean by that is if you went in the pre-COVID days, uh, from the research that we've done, we found that approximately about 8% of the meetings had at least one remote participant. Now, and moving forward, it is anticipated that 97, 98% of the meetings will have at least one remote participant. And this fundamentally changes the structure of how everything gets configured. When you're in the office, you can't just think about the experience in the office. You have to think about the experience of the people that are not in the office. When you're not in the office, you have to think about making sure that the people in the office don't start feeling left out. There's an entire mindset shift that needs to occur. So we found this to be, a, and I think it's going to be more difficult to adjust to this hybrid mixed mode than it was everyone in the office and everyone remote. Because what ends up happening is you could have this scenario where you could start getting second-class citizens in the meeting. You want to make sure that that doesn't happen. And the reason that we don't want to make sure it doesn't happen is, We have this huge opportunity as a society right now, as humans, to level the playing field for 3 billion digital workers on the planet to make sure that they can participate in a global economy regardless of their geography, regardless of their language preference, regardless of their personality type, if they're an introvert or an extrovert, regardless of their socioeconomic level. They should be able to equally participate in a global economy. As we know today, opportunity is pretty unevenly distributed, but human potential is not. So if there's a way that we can somehow make sure that everyone gets an equal voice in a meeting and that physical location doesn't become a thing, then I think we'll have progressed humanity forward. And that's the nuance of hybrid work that we, we really all as a community have to think about and make sure that there's no second class citizen. Everyone gets an equal voice and a seat at the table.
1: I'm so Thrilled to hear you say that. And I think it's a challenge that a lot of the organizations that we've been speaking to haven't quite gotten a handle around yet. I mean, so many of them are just trying to figure out how many people are going to come back to the office? Do we have them come back to the office part time, full time? We've been discussing how do we change the office to be more of a collaborative workspace? But the thing that's really hard is how are we going to make that person that is remote Feel like a first class citizen, as you mentioned. And how do we deal with things like time zones? You know, right now I think that we've all been at home, but we're looking at time zones for many of us, I'm sure for you that are spanning from, you know, 6 a.m. to say 10 p.m. That's something that I think as we move to this more remote concept, we really need to get a handle on. How do we deal with, with time zone challenges? And if you, have, if you really believe that we can open up a global economy, then do we think about things like, will we get to a scenario where, okay, only one person in the team is in another geography and that's eight hours away. Do we ever get to have the meeting in their time zone? How, how does yeah, that work, yeah. right? <laughs>
2: so, yeah, that's, you know, there's, there's a lot of interesting questions packed into what you just said. So let's parse them out a little bit. So on the time zone side, I think it's important. Firstly, there's an aspect of how do you make sure that people who are remote don't feel like second-class citizens. There's also an aspect that people who are in the office don't feel like second-class citizens either, because when you're in a large conference room, you might not have the ability if you don't have the right technology to make sure that everyone is on a level playing field you have four people in a conference room and three people remote well the four people in a conference room might feel like they're not being read effectively their body language is getting missed out the cues are getting missed out from the people that are remote and so you have to make sure that those aspects are actually thought through. and we've got some pretty good ai technology that we work with to make sure that that gets addressed so that everyone has level kind of playing field But on the time zone side, it's a really interesting dimension where I was talking to one of the customers and they had a really good idea. And we're trying to do that where, firstly, we're not dictating from the top down at Cisco, culturally asking people either come into work or not come into work. We're deciding every team to have a level of autonomy in how they wanna work and create that culture at the team level, which is quite different from what a lot of companies are doing. And on the time zone dimension, I think it's important that if people want to have the freedom of working from anywhere, there's a few things that have to be kept in mind. One is you might want to think about pinning yourself to a time zone. So you might choose to live in New York. But if you want to pin yourself to the Pacific time zone, then that might be because your team is in the Pacific time zone. That's one way to do it. And the second thing to keep in mind is in a global organization, people aren't going to be pinned to a single time zone. In a team, you might, but in a global organization, you aren't. And so it's extremely important that you think about the blending of synchronous and asynchronous communication. You don't always have to be all together, but there's a lot that can be done with async, whether it be async messaging, whether it be async video. There's a lot of ways that you can actually go out and do this. One of the things that I do sometimes is there'll be someone who might be in a different time zone. They say, hey, can I get 30 minutes from you? And I'm like, actually, can you just send me a recording of what you want? intent. I'll listen to it, then I'll ask you some questions if I need to. They get more efficient, I get more efficient, and most importantly, we don't kill each other by just working at odd hours all day long because you're able to go out and maintain some degree of sanity. So I think time zones is an interesting dimension, but it's actually time zones plus plus where you have to think about time zones and pinning but you also have to think about how much can be done async. And I think right now the default mode is let's schedule a meeting. The barrier to schedule a meeting is very low. And you want to have a lot of spontaneous conversations, but don't try to have too many scheduled planned meetings, because if you have 16 meetings in a day 30 minutes each back to back, you're not really getting any time to deep think and focus. And so your productivity is in fact going down. And so the metrics that our industry uses sometimes, for example, in video conferencing of how many minutes have people been in a meeting is actually the wrong metric. What we want to have is how few minutes can you be in a meeting and still get the job done? And don't try to optimize for minimize the meeting, number of minutes and give people other alternatives and avenues to go out and communicate with each other.
1: I love where you're going with this concept of deep work. I I read a book by Cal Newport once on deep work, and it really made me think about how you have to give yourself focused time to get into a task. And if you're being nibbled to death by meetings, that's a problem. So I I love this. And I, I love where AI has gone in this in terms of, Trying to help people structure, pick out tasks from meetings, as an example, provide transcripts and real time translations, you know, all these things that make the meeting better, make it more accessible, make it a document that we can kind of cull through and figure out what we need to do next and kind of give us some of those efficiencies of time back, which I think we all could use. Now, one of the things that we're seeing is that, you know, in this. Can I just make a
2: comment on that, Maribel, uh, on on the focus time? Because we have a capability that we built with this underlying technology called WebEx Graph, which allows us to provide insights to individuals. And we are very mindful of making sure that those insights are only meant for that individual and not for their boss, not for the company. It's only for them. But one of the things that we look at is focus time. And saying, okay, so Maribel, you're actually working, your preferred hours are working from eight to five. What we're finding is you're taking 30% of the meetings outside of your preferred hours. And by the way, during your preferred hours, you haven't had any focused time with a 90-minute block at all in the past four days. And you might want to think about thinking of things differently. And that makes a huge difference if you could just take a moment, take a breath, and then think deeply about something. Because I actually find myself very out of sorts when... There's just 16, 17 meetings in a day, and they're 30 minutes long, and you don't even have time to think. And I don't think those are productive days. Frankly, I don't think that I'm creating value to the company by doing that. And I'd rather have a few things that I, I don't do and just take a moment to, to think a little bit deeper. So I agree with you. and We're actually doing a lot on that to help people get that insight because that also increases and improves your well-being, not just productivity.
1: I think your comments here just went to some place that I was going, which is a concept of now that we have more data, there's opportunity to mine that data in different ways. And I think some of the challenges around privacy are something that we're going to be talking a lot more about going forward. So the insights that you talked about and making those private, uh, I think that's a really important thing that with the graph. Any other things we should be thinking about in terms of how to think about uh, data and privacy with workers?
2: Yeah, I think when you think about privacy, at least the way we think about it is privacy is a basic human right. We fundamentally believe it. And the architectural decisions we make in the product actually are guided by that principle. And so I'll give you a couple examples on privacy. But what we think about with privacy is it's privacy by default. Mm -hmm. And so you shouldn't have to opt out of something. You have to opt in to something you know, and it's privacy by default, and that's actually really important. The second thing is there are times when I'm providing insights to you, the individual, as as I the system and providing insights to you, the individual, and it's, that insight is extremely meaningful for me, but I don't want that to go to my boss. I'll give you an example. There's 15 meetings that you've been in the past two days, and you've been late, G2, to 12 of those 15 minutes by more than five minutes in each one of those meetings. That's really good for me to know so that I can show a level of you know, respect to the team members and show up on time. I don't want my boss, Chuck, to know that. And so the insights that I provide have to be for the individual, not for their boss, not for the organization. And if we can honor that, then what happens is you build a bond of trust between the user and the system. That insight is used only for the purposes of improving the well-being of that person and it's not used for inspection which is what a lot of our competitors have done sometimes and it's like the inspection mode for are people working hard enough i think is superbly counterproductive that is not what we should use these systems for in fact we should use it for our people working too hard and can we give them some ways to take a moment and when you do that, you'll actually get their well-being prioritized. When you get the well-being prioritized, productivity is a derived outcome.
1: I'm really excited to see many organizations focusing on this concept of well-being of the employee. Because I, I do think with everybody being at home and the and the work and home life blending, it's – it's been a little difficult to get that balance that we might have had with the commuter or what have you. But that doesn't mean people can't be effective and productive at home. It just means we also need to recalibrate our expectations and organizations in terms of how we manage people about it being about did they accomplish what they were asked to do versus how many hours they were sitting in front of a screen right, because sure. that's not the right that's metric. Now, I noticed that in your title, you know, and I, I think about you a lot in the collaboration space. I, I've heard a lot of your sessions in that space, but security is also there. And it's been all over the news recently security challenges that uh, various companies have had. And I know that as we move into this hybrid work environment, I believe that we're still going to have security considerations. So are there any specific things that you're guiding organizations towards uh, considerations for how to? basically be secure in a very distributed environment.
2: You are right. I have three kids. I have a 10-year-old daughter. I've got collaboration. I've got security. I love one of them more than the other two, but then I love security and collaboration equally. And so on the security side, the way that we think about this, and we are, and you know, Cisco is fortunate enough to be one of the largest security vendors in the world. And if you think about what's happened in the world of security it's a highly fractured market there's about 3500 providers for security everyone's doing something small and all those 3500 providers don't talk to each other and what's actually happened in this in the, in the world of security is your because of the move to the cloud because of what's what's happened with the sophistication of threat actors who've gotten far more sophisticated today than what they used to be five years ago it's gotten very hard for organizations and security practitioners to manage and keep their organization secure. Because there's just so many of these systems and how do you go out and keep them all? How do you stay sane with all of those? And so what we are trying to do is simplify security drastically for the market. And what I mean by simplify is take out the friction meaningfully for the user and for the SecOps professionals and for the IT professionals. Because right now the friction is way too high. And the way I think about this is the most insecure system you can build is a really secure system that's really hard to use because people just do it in around. And so we're trying to reduce the friction. And when you reduce the friction, it turns out your efficacy actually goes up in security. The metric that you have to measure in security eventually is efficacy. Are you, in fact, being effective at keeping the bad guys up? And so... On that front, I'll give you a couple examples that are really interesting where we launched something called Passwordless recently in the Duo team. And that essentially allows you to use biometrics like Touch ID and Face ID that's built into these devices now and be able to log into a corporate application. That you might be typing in your password 15, 20 times a day. And now you don't have to do that because your face ID would recognize it or your touch ID would allow you to go through. Now, the beauty about this is we keep privacy in mind. Your touch ID and face ID don't get sent to the cloud. They're actually on the local device. We keep privacy in mind. We have reduced the friction and the number of steps that someone has to take to go out and log into a system, but the efficacy went up because no one can look over your shoulder and steal your password. No one can intercept your password. So you get a multitude of effects where you've actually maintained someone's privacy, you've gotten improved security for them and you've dramatically reduced the friction. That design construct is pretty important to have in security and make sure that security and productivity and usability shouldn't be at odds with each other. They should compound. So we, we've we thought about that you know very deeply and we continue to keep thinking of that and how do we make it better and just keep chipping away at it to uh, so you take out the friction.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, whatever we can do to make it that streamlined simplicity of just what people are accustomed to in their consumer lives in the business world is exactly where it's at. I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I did want to ask if you had any key advice or takeaways for IT leaders today. And um, would that differ if you were talking to a line of business manager?
2: That's a good question. I think overall, what we have to think about in this new world is it's gonna be slightly harder to go out and adjust to a mixed mode of working, like I mentioned earlier, but there's a tremendous opportunity to actually stimulate the economy. And it's not just for the individuals seeking opportunities, it's also for companies seeking talent. Like, you know, I'll, we were talking about security right now. If you look at the number of jobs that are open versus the number of jobs that are currently had in security, I think it's like two and a half million jobs that are currently had in security, and there's like four million jobs that are open. Like, There's clearly a shortage of talent. And what happens when you go out and allow for a global participation rate to go up is you solve challenges not just for the individuals, but you also solve challenges for companies. And so I think it's extremely important that hybrid work is, in fact, a thing of the future. And in hybrid work, we actually really encourage people working from anywhere and participating. And that is a cultural shift that needs to happen within organizations. And if we can do that right, I think we'll have a lot to be proud of for our next generation. Look, I'll I'll close with this. I immigrated to this country 30 years ago, and it was truly a pleasure to actually experience all the goodness in life that I was fortunate enough to experience when I immigrated here. But I'd like for the next generation to not have to immigrate to be able to make that happen, that they should be able to do it from wherever they are as well. And then we, of course, have to have policies for immigration that allow people to come in. But that should not be a necessity that you have to immigrate in order to get access to opportunity. And I think if we have now run an experiment for the past 15 months, which allows us to make that happen. So um, at least tells us that there's we've surprised ourselves that this could happen. So we should... We should all be pretty excited and we should all be mindful of the fact that this will have some bumps along the road, but we will be right there with our customers and helping innovate so that you can take the friction out from a technology standpoint, at least to make this happen.
1: I can think of no better way to end this than on the opportunity for a global environment that everybody can participate in the opportunity for the future of work. So that is great. Thank you so much for your time, G2. And where can people find you? Do you have a Twitter handle or LinkedIn profile? I do.
2: uh, Thank you for having me. My Twitter handle is jpatel41, and I'm also on LinkedIn. So uh, feel free to uh, uh, join on the conversation anywhere.
1: And I'm at Maribel Lopez and Maribel Lopez on LinkedIn. And this is Reimagine Hybrid Work. Thank you.